This is Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. A talk with Congressman Elliot Engel about the impeachment investigation into President Trump. So I'm here with Congressman Engel. Congressman Engel, this has been a historic week in Washington. Tell me about it. Oh my God. Well, let me tell you, it was like reliving the uh, years of Nixon. Um, I thought I'd never see that again. I think he makes Nixon look good, actually. Well, I, I think they, they both look pretty bad. Um, but you, 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 you could say that. Um, I don't want to prejudge anything, but it certainly seems to me that um, we have to uh, investigate. Uh, I signed the uh, subpoena, which opened up the first phase of the investigation uh, just yesterday. Uh, because I'm chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee, which has jurisdiction over the State Department. And I think the American people are going to have to, uh, we're going to have to uh, decide for ourselves. Were you shocked when you saw the transcript of the report, uh, just how direct the ask was? I was shocked about that. You know know what I was even more shocked about? Well, actually a couple of things. Number one, anybody who reads that knows exactly what the president was trying to do. You know, we, we help you and we do things for you and we're, and we're going to do more because I like you. And, and, and by the way, you know, there's this, this terrible person who's my political opponent. You know, he, he, should be, he should be looked at and then pivot away again. I mean, it's just, just so obvious and it's wrong. But the president has been tone deaf from day one. Um, I had always thought that when you get elected to the presidency, then you put all your assets in a, in a trust so there's no conflict of interest. I mean, he's even having, uh, you know, the, the Ukrainian prime minister said, oh, and when I was in the United States, I stayed at a Trump hotel. Right. You know, this is just, and so it's, it's very, very sad that, um, you know, the president who is obviously very, uh, has some uh, uh, good skills in making money would have such poor skills in terms of knowing right from wrong. It was living proof of the importance of the emoluments clause right there in that conversation. Yes, yes it is, absolutely. Or when the vice president goes 180 miles more so he can stay in a Trump facility and the government pays the Trump facility. I mean, you'd never think that um, someone who is as wealthy as Trump would even take the money, would even not think that this could get him into trouble someday. It's pure common sense. What about the whistleblower report? I was really blown away by um, how well written it was and how detailed it was. What was your response? I was blown away by it too, um, but it really confirms what many of us were, were, were thinking, um, which is why on Friday, just the other day, um, I signed a subpoena to compel the uh, State Department people to come and testify before the Congress. They were ignoring all our requests, so I had to sign a subpoena. And it's the opening salvo in the, uh, in the impeachment umbrella. And um, there will be more. And um, I hope that we can uh, do this expeditiously because we don't want to put the country through a lot of turmoil. And realistically, unless the Senate uh, uh, stops playing politics, um, he could be impeached, but he probably won't be convicted. Uh, But I'm hoping that if the truth comes out that some of those senators who will play politics will be embarrassed 
and maybe they'll hear from their constituents and they'll do the right thing. But I don't want to prejudge it. But um, everything, everything I've uh, I've seen uh, makes me angry. So, but even if he's um, impeached and not convicted, at least the the information will be out, correct? And then the voters. Correct. It's my mind that the voters can decide, and they they can be empowered to get rid of him. Correct. Correct. That's what I think is the uh, is the is the smart thing, and I think that's what that's what will happen, no doubt. Can you just one last question? Can you kind of lay out what's next, like what people can expect to you know expect next in the process? Well, there'll be more subpoenas. And there'll be a, a hearing, uh, probably the Intelligence Committee, um, and then we'll, we'll move on from there. But the three uh, main committees that are doing this is, is my Foreign Affairs Committee, of uh, which I'm chair, um, Adam Schiff um, in his, his committee, Intelligence Committee, and then Elijah Cummings, who has the Investigatory Committee. And um, if uh, things come out, in the hearings we hold, then then Jerry Nadler of the Judiciary Committee will will hold an impeachment trial. What is the what is the role of activists in all this? What should we be telling our membership do in order to give you support to do the job that you need to do during this impeachment process, impeachment inquiry process, at least for right now? Well, I would say just uh, follow the facts, be vocal, um, and so and call your office and say we support what you're doing. Sure, and and not be afraid to speak out and and you know let us know that uh, when we do something right and if we do something wrong, also let us know. Any final thought? Well, you know, God God bless America is is what we always say, but it ought not be empty words, and. Um, I think the way we bless it is by doing the right thing. Uh, this is a, a great democracy, and what's playing out now is is the democracy. Uh, what's what's on the on the line is our democracy. Um, the Congress is a co-equal branch of government that, according to the Constitution, uh, has a right to uh, do all the things. To you remember when we all were in grade school and learned about checks and balances. Um, I think we're going to see the, uh, the democracy at its best. And when it all is said and done, I'm very optimistic that um, democracy will, our democracy will prevail. And as chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee, you understand the importance of protecting America from foreign influence. Of course. Our national security and protecting our Constitution. That's what this right. is about, correct? You know, foreign influence, it's just amazing. We all know that the Russians interfered in the 2016 presidential election because they hated Hillary Clinton. And so knowing that and knowing that um, we've had investigations and we've had all kinds of talks, you think that the president would now not uh, involve another country uh, with uh, politics. And yet that's exactly what he was doing uh, in the phone call uh, in, in, to uh, the Ukrainian prime minister uh, talking uh, about um, Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son. So it means that he's learned nothing. Um, it seems that he's the kind of person who is arrogant and so used to getting his way that he doesn't care if he steps on the Constitution or if he does something that ultimately is detrimental to the country. And I don't think that obviously the President of the United States should act that way. Tom 
Watson joins us now. Tom, you're a big supporter of Indivisible. You're a professor at Columbia. You're a former journalist. You're a big Twitter. You have a big Twitter presence. You've also known Congressman Engel for years. Yeah, and I've rarely seen him so animated as I have in recent days. Um, I, I, I think Elliot, um, understandably, and he's, and he's He's a loyal Democrat, someone who um, kind of originally came from the reform wing of uh, Democratic politics, and then, of course, as an incumbent uh, congressman for many years, seen as part of the mainstream base of the uh, party and someone who's been around for a long time. I think like many of his um, colleagues who are senior House chairs, um, he sees this as a career-defining moment. Now, this is really a very big deal, and he is very animated by it. And I think, although this impeachment process has been a long time coming, I do feel like those chairs, like Nancy Pelosi's chairs, including Congressman Engel, um, have been kind of waiting for this switch to flip, and they're just ready for it. Right, so you hear a lot about, or we hear a lot about Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler, who is also from New York, um, but as the head of the Foreign Affairs Committee, chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee, he, Engel factors big time into this. Very, very, uh, very much so. He was one of the, th of the three chairs to issue a subpoena to Rudy Giuliani. Mm -hmm. It's clear that um, he will be having his own set of hearings. Foreign affairs is at the center of this. Of I, I know there's overlap with intelligence, etc. Um, but, but we are talking about foreign interference in our election. About, right, and we're talking about the State Department. Exactly. And so the Foreign Affairs Committee, their big oversight duty, it, one of them, is to the State Department. And even, the most recent news with Secretary Pompeo, um, some of the stonewalling going on there, I think foreign affairs is going to be at the center of this the whole way. Now, um, Representative Engel actually backed an impeachment inquiry um, in July, yeah. and I know the resistance was very big into trying to, you know, move move him in that direction. You actually broke that I story. Did. Can you talk a little bit Sh about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I had just been talking with him um, and some of his senior staff, and I, I, I got the sense that this was where it was moving, and I also knew that as one of Pelosi's uh, major chairs that it would be a big domino to fall and if you go back to July um, you know that was a time when those of us who were on the resistance side of things were somewhat uh, frustrated I think by Speaker Pelosi and the leadership um, in their uh, what was then intransigence um, on impeachment so reading the tea leaves and understanding where I thought um, Congressman Engel was going I thought it would be interesting if, uh, to, to break that story on uh, Twitter, and it, and it did get a lot of play, and I do think it was part of the momentum towards impeachment. And I just want to say I think that, um, that the activists and organizers who, pushed, who have pushed impeachment, not just wildly politically so, but based on the facts as we know them and as they have been coming out about the Trump administration, the most venal and corrupt administration of our lifetimes, right. openly so, right. I, I don't want the, because of the, the clarity of this Ukraine incident, I don't want the, the, all of the efforts of organizers to be lost because I do think the um, watching the number of Democratic representatives who supported an inquiry, not impeachment, but an inquiry, grow right. over time. I remember when it was 10, 12, 20, 25, and, it's, and now it's all but 10. Right. Um, and so watching that grow, 
though a lot of that was grassroots work yeah. people in districts putting pressure on their representatives and i know here in westchester our representatives definitely heard from their constituents about this it, they did and i think it's also important to point out that because i think people are still confused i mean an inquiry is an investigation and from a resistance standpoint it's important that the facts that there be an investigation that the facts be found that they be uncovered and that there at least be some kind of public airing of what of what the Trump administration is up to. Yes, I I've backed an inquiry right from the beginning because I know it empowers Congress um, with the uh, courts. Without getting too crazy about it, the courts will respond more quickly to an impeachment inquiry, a formal impeachment inquiry, than they would to just trying to compel testimony right. on a it regular case-by-case case basis. It gives it a sense of urgency. It and does. I know that's one of the things that Representative Nadler, even in meetings that we've had with him, has said. You know, yes. he understands and has made the point that it does give it a sense of urgency and it helps move things along. I am also of the opinion that it helps drive public opinion and oh, support. Yeah. That, you know, I think there's been a tendency to hold back on some kind of investigation because the public doesn't support it. But now you see, even with this, once it, once it became really official, then public opinion, it has moved public opinion in support of having an investigation. It's moved, I mean, I, even I, I totally agree with that theory, and I, and I do believe holding hearings, getting the facts out there is important. I don't agree with an immediate vote on impeachment. I think that would be a big mistake. I agree. Um, but I, but if you look, there are five or six opinion polls who have come out in the last couple of days, and every single one of them shows um, greater, more people favor an, at least an impeachment inquiry than don't. And obviously the breakdown is high, very high for uh, Democrats, something like 79, 80%. But independence, mm -hmm. that's the one I would pay attention to. It, the last one I saw was something like 40% of independents favor, 47% of independents favor an impeachment inquiry. And that, that has moved radically within the last week or so. And of course, you have Trump's call to Zelensky, the whistleblower report. I mean, all of this really put this impeachment inquiry into overdrive. What do you think is the difference with this specific case? Well, I think the clarity of it and the fact that you've got, in some ways, the character of this whistleblower who no one knows when there's a, some, but it's one person and clearly it's a, it's a career government servant, somebody who um, knows how to write a legal brief and understands exactly how things work and was privy to the information and saw with clarity exactly what was going on. And frankly, the incompetence of the Trump administration in trying to cover it up. I mean, yeah. well, they do they try. Well, I mean, they do try to cover it up because they have secret servers. But yet, then they're just the like, yes, server. we did this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, the, oh, but they didn't no stonewall on the no on shame. the on the. Uh, not quite transcript um, uh, as you might expect them to, because I think that I think Trump believes it's fine. I, That's I, I, it. Yes, no shame. <laughs> That's why there's no shame yeah. because they actually welcome this. He doesn't understand how a republic functions. No, he doesn't believe in a republic. No. Is my view, and that is why he's so dangerous. So to that point, let's talk about messaging then, because I think messaging is very important. So it's my mm -hmm. view and the messaging. Look, here are the bullet points. Trump betrays his country. I mean, the more news comes out, the more it's proven or there's evidence that he continues to betray his country on a day-to-day -day yes. basis. Yep. He is a threat to national security. Full stop. Um, he engages in blatant abuse of power at every turn. 
And it really is up to us, the people, the members of Congress, to defend the Constitution because Trump and his administration isn't defending the Constitution. Yeah. So it's up to the rest of us to make sure that ha yeah. that, that happens. Yep. I mean, I, I do think it is a national security question. And I, I think that, in essence, is what moved so many sort of quote-unquote centrist Democrats to, to move towards um, impeachment was that this episode showed what a threat he is. If he's having this, and of course now we know there are conversations with other heads of state, um, including Vladimir Putin, on the secret server. So what is he giving away? Right. I, I also think, and this goes back, you know, I'm just thinking about a, a conversation with with uh, Congressman Engel recently, he and this this goes this goes Shannon to your whole messaging mm -hmm. aspect. He was talking about how it's important to present this with real sobriety. Like mm -hmm. this is very serious. That they that it's good. Although we may not agree as activists, it's good that they waited until it was so clear um, that there was such a that, that that there is such a threat, and that they are reluctantly moving forward with this. I think Speaker Pelosi has been very good on that. I agree. Um, and and so it was interesting to talk to him. He's obviously um, and from our local perspective. Um, going to be an important figure in this piece of American history that we're entering into right now. But the idea that it is with some real reluctance. Right. I do think as chair of, 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 foreign, of uh, foreign Affairs, he's privy to some of the information that we may not be and understand some of the tensions around the world. So it's in that context. It's not just in the context of like this you know, wild political fight that we're about right, to go into. Right, right. He really understands kind of the three-dimensional chess yeah. that's going on, you know, on the global scale. Um, and to my point, how can you, how can we be a democracy if we welcome foreign intervention in our elections? Yeah. How, how, how can we? We should all be asking our Republican friends that very question. And back to national security, and, and the other point about the Zelensky call is that, you know, um, Trump wants to give credence to this crazy conspiracy theory pushed by the Russians that Ukraine the U was behind the hacking of you know the election and has the Hillary Clinton server I mean that you have a president who actually believes I mean forget sending spending taxpayer money to go investigate these absurd conspiracy theories to actually believe them is a national security threat, in my opinion, before you even take another step. It, it's, it's, and it's, yeah, it's, it, I mean, Trump goes from one conspiracy theory that he hears on some right-wing website or on Twitter to another, and even worse than that, he'll send out Rudy Giuliani or Secretary Pompeo or the Attorney General of the United States to pursue these insane right. theories. And we pay for that. And we pay for that. <laughs> not only that, it degrades our government. It degrades the Republic. We are a representative government and it, unless we hold them to account, we're, we're, we're going to lose it. So what do you see is the role of the resistance moving forward as we go into this new chapter of American history? That's a great question. I mean, I do think we should continue to push 
for justice. I think that that is where that's where we are. We are the people who push for justice for the greater good. Um, on the other hand, I think shifting slightly to now putting more pressure on the Republicans where we can um, is is where it's at. I found it very interesting that Mitch McConnell did not hesitate for a second to say that if Trump is impeached, he will hold a trial. And I do think there is a wing of the Republican establishment mm -hmm. that if, give, if, if Trump's teetering, they will push him. Um, and so convincing them that there's a bridge back to like regular government um, is, is probably uh, the way to go. This is really a time when the question becomes, do you care more about politics or do you care more about institutions and your country? Right, exactly. Yeah, do you do you, do you care about this country? And it's going to be fascinating because we have a national election um, and, and our candidates are out there. Trump has never stopped campaigning, um, has never stopped raising money and spending money. He spends more money on Facebook than all of the major Democrats combined, for example, more money on Google searches. Right. Um, so he is his machine is up and running and has never stopped running. And that disinformation stuff does get out there. It does. Permeate oh, the yeah. firmament, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's bad. We've done many workshops on that. Yep. And continue yeah, to it's, do so. And it's, it's, hard, it's hard to combat. Even mm -hmm. sane, people who you consider regular sane people in everyday life will sometimes say, say things to you you'll be like, what? Where did you get that? Yeah. And, and to your point, it underscores the importance of elections at every level of government. Yes. We have to be involved in electoral yes. work. If we had not have taken back the House and helped flip some of those, some of those districts, where would we be now? Exactly. Exactly. Flipping those districts. I mean, to be honest, my involvement in the election, in the blue wave election was definitely partially driven by oversight, by the possibility of impeaching the president or at least holding him accountable. And I knew that if we got the House, we would be able to do that. Right. So that was huge motivation for me. Right. Um, and I don't like to see any foot dragging among some of the people that we have supported either. No, 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 no. Indeed. And so for 2020, we need to keep up that work. Yes. Despite what happens in Washington, we need to continue to elect people who will protect the United States, stand up for the Constitution, and preserve the institutions totally. that have kept our country a democracy up until now. Totally. And just thinking about some of the people who we did support, um, who have seen their way towards supporting the impeachment inquiry, this is an important part of why organizing and our movement is so important because they know, because we, we, we did work for them, and I don't mean we, I mean thousands of people. And so there's a feeling, I think, out there that some of those um, Democrats who won in red districts or purple districts or flip districts, um, that, they, that we have their back. Mm -hmm. And so if they take this step, they know that we'll still show up for them. And right. I think that's an important political part of it. Exactly. Tom, anything else you want to add? No, thank you for having me. This it's been great. great. It really has. Thank you so much. This has been Indivisible Westchester, the podcast. Find us at indivisiblewestchester.org, on Facebook, Twitter, and also Instagram. Most importantly, keep resisting.